0: So this is rather unusual for me, but I wanted to release this solo episode. I wanted to have a space to gather all of my thoughts and my feelings on what's going on with Ukraine right now. I seem to be the resident Ukrainian friend for many people in my life, and... I have so much gratitude towards everyone who has reached out to check on me in the last week or so. Had a lot of people express their concerns and and text me and call me and ask if I have family over there and and what's going on and, you know, kind of looking to me for whether it's guidance on how to feel or if it's just sympathy and empathy and people reaching out and making sure that I feel okay. I don't. Um, I have a lot of sadness, a lot of confusion and shock. Took me, took me a few days to even understand that I was feeling as upset that I was. I think it didn't hit me until probably Saturday. You know, everything kind of started Wednesday night as far as getting the alert, the breaking news that, um the actual invasion had officially started even though there had been a lot of aggression and a lot of violence uh, leading up to last Wednesday and that was kind of the official kickoff was was Wednesday night and the way that it happened was Here's what was going on. I I happened to be on vacation. I was in Mexico with my family, and it was karaoke night at the resort that we were staying at, and my mom, who has always loved music and karaoke, was, you know, so ecstatic and absolutely had to get on stage and sing, (laughs) and she picked, of course, um, a Russian song because she can't really karaoke in English and she just wanted to sing and have fun and it wasn't about the audience understanding so somehow the people running the event were able to find um, a Russian song with lyrics that you know obviously in Russian came up on the screen and she went up and she sang and uh, while she was on stage everyone got the, um, like for me, it was the Apple breaking news alert on my phone that the invasion had started. And I mean, that timing, regardless of how terrible all of this is, that timing is, is pretty funny. Um, and then after she got off stage, this, uh, man who I think was like fairly intoxicated who was at the resort who was um, Having a reaction to the breaking news. Uh, It obviously came to him. He ran up on stage after her confused uh, because she's up there singing in Russian with Russian lyrics on the screen and he uh, started saying something, like talking about the war, it was really awkward for everybody. Um, The MC, you know, tried to calm this guy and kind of shuffled him off stage and took the microphone from him and that was really awkward, but then, you know, after after that we all, um, we left the karaoke night and we were all just trying to gather our thoughts. We were glued to our phones, trying to understand what was going on and trying to gather as much information as we can, which in this day and age is really really much harder than it should be not to get information i mean there's so much everywhere all at once but to be getting it from a reputable source and to be getting a um, big picture of what's going on is unfortunately really really hard right now um just some background i i was born in ukraine in odessa it's it's so funny for me to like say odessa not Odessa, like the russian pronunciation that i'm used to to have to kind of say it in English because that's how you pronounce it here and I was there until 1994 I was about I was turning five years old when we moved so it's not like I have a ton of memories from there I don't know that anyone has a ton of memories from you know before they were five years old I've just got a few kind of snapshots in my head of a couple of experiences I had there and then that's filled in by um, stories that I've been told by my family from what my childhood was like. But I'm very Americanized, and I, um, while I still speak fluent Russian and understand it and can read it a little bit, I'm definitely very Americanized, I think, in English. I always try to explain that to people. Um, but my family is, you know, very much from Ukraine. That's where they were long before I was born that's where their history is, and that is very much what I connect to when I think about my culture and my background. As all of this has been happening, I'm always brought back to um, thinking about, like, I've always kind of questioned, like, oh, why is it that I'm from Ukraine but I speak Russian? I never learned any Ukrainian. I've, like, always had these questions. It It was always really unclear to me, like, why, you know? why don't I know Ukrainian? What's up with that? And it kind of just ties back into what was going on politically back there. Like, Odessa is a big city. It's a port. It was easier for the de facto language to just be Russian. That was what was taught in schools at the time. That was the most common language. And you have to remember that Ukraine only became its own country post Soviet Union in 1991. So I was two years old. So everyone was speaking Russian. That was just the norm. The um, the rise in using the Ukrainian language is, is newer and especially in the larger cities. I feel like it was more of something that um, Was done more in the small towns and I just wasn't exposed to it. It just wasn't like the the base of language that you learned back when I was a kid living there I've always wanted to go back. I've always um, had dreams of traveling there so that I could see it as an adult, register everything, connect to it, feel a connection to that part of my life, to that part of my history. And we had been talking about doing that trip this year, so obviously that's not going to happen. The main thing here, um, all of what my feelings are about, really, my really strong feelings of sadness and shock, it it all comes down to just the human suffering, period. It's estimated there's half a million people trying to flee right now who had to leave their homes, their possessions, their lives, potentially their family members, their pets, everything they know. They just have to get up and run. This is something that Americans don't have to think about unless they're maybe climate refugees or something. These are just not normal conditions that we're put through here. You never just have to pack your bags and leave in the middle of the night because we're getting bombed here in Los Angeles. Like, it just doesn't happen. It's not a reality here. And I keep thinking about how it's just sheer dumb luck that, like, I don't still live there that I got to move here and have a life in America and not have all these constant you know, threats, like life is so hard anyways, without living in, you know, a third, second world country, whatever you want to classify it as, and having imminent threats of violence from nearby governments. I mean, I'm just so grateful that we were lucky enough to immigrate here and that I've never had to deal with that. But it's impossible not to put myself in that mindset and think like, what if I still lived there? they there. really, <laughs> again, it's just by luck that I don't So I have a lot of pain about knowing how much people are there suffering, and how that literally could have been me. It almost was. We don't really have um, any direct close family left there. Um, As a Jewish family, most Jewish families left late 80s, early 90s. It wasn't really a good setting for us there. The folks who couldn't get to the U.S. mostly ended up in Israel. Um, I had had, we had had a few family friends, people that my mother has been in contact with, my grandpa has been in contact with, one of whom said that she had been planning to stay put in the early days last week. Um, they had a choice to flee. They decided not to because they were concerned that their property would be ransacked. And then, a few days later, as the violence started escalating, They lost the option to leave. The borders were closed. There's a scramble of refugees right now. It's chaos. I don't know that they can buy enough gas to get out or if they can get, you know, train transportation. I I don't know, so I don't want to misspeak, but we were trying to figure out how we could possibly get aid to them. They're saying the ATMs don't have any cash. The grocery stores are empty. I mean, I think back to how chaotic it was here in early March of 2020 when the pandemic was first happening and we were all running to the grocery stores trying to get food and there just wasn't any on the shelf. And I think that's what's gonna be going on in Ukraine for a while, much longer than it happened here for us. We don't know how to get supplies out to them. Our family friends who are there are saying that they can't guarantee that they're gonna get mail. So we're at a bit of a standstill right now. And it's really hard to think about things other than the humanitarian impact the immediacy of of people losing loved ones of being separated from loved ones of having to say goodbye to their homes their possessions their animals that's really the biggest victim in all of this is is the people but i did want to get this episode out because i've been You know, I I try to turn to my family, who obviously knows so much more than I do about this. They've got firsthand experience, and, and I keep trying to go to them for comfort, for clarification, for whatever. Just whatever they can give me, I'm looking for it. I'm listening for it. And what's been a little bit surprising to me, I think because of my very Western upbringing, and because of the narrative that I'm getting on Instagram and Twitter and social media in general and the news sources that I'm listening to, you know, the New York Times, the different Washington Post, all all the things that are like the first things that I'm exposed to news-wise. There's a very specific narrative right now being told um, by those sources and the things that are being shared. And, And while from a humanitarian standpoint, it's the best as far as just highlighting the suffering of the people, which is the number one most important thing we all need to be focusing on, is how to help these civilians that have nothing to do with anything and who are so helpless. Every time I talk to my family, they they bring my attention to that this isn't just a scenario where, you know, Putin is this Hitler-like evil just almost caricature of a person they keep kind of um talking on i mean of course obviously he's doing atrocious things this is war he didn't have to blah 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 it's it's very very complicated like this is what i wanted to say the information that i'm absorbing is that this is way more complicated than the western narrative that we're getting and that there are unfortunately and nobody wants to talk about this and i do understand why But there are things about this where the Ukrainian government is also at fault. And I don't think that's going to be spoken of a lot. So that's why I wanted to gather some research and and put this episode out and just kind of draw some awareness to that as well. To, you know, for anybody following these stories that they just kind of try to really get the big picture here. Because I think it's going to help us understand as a people, you know what this is really all about and and how this happened to begin with at first when i was hearing people around me my family when i was hearing their frustrations over the ukrainian government in all of this i just kind of immediately thought oh well, well they must have they must have like all of this inherent you know trauma they must have um they must just be thinking back to how hard their lives were there they must have all these They must have all these resentments towards the Ukrainian government that of course I understand. I mean, as a millennial, I kind of think that my generation has a very specific set of issues that we've been handed, right, societally. Like, we have crippling student debt. We're kind of the first generation to deal with that. We're like the first generation to deal with stagnant wages and how the cost of living is just... It's way out of range with you know what most of us are getting paid after we graduate from these colleges that you know rob us blind and leave us in crippling debt for decades at a time and that was my early 20s however for my family their early 20s coincided with the falling of the berlin wall and the dismantling of the soviet union and the establishment of ukraine as a free country so just imagine Having a young family, getting into adulthood, and dealing with having a brand new country, being in a brand new country. Imagine the growing pains, imagine the disorganization, the poverty, the lack of opportunities. So much waiting in line. I feel like every story they tell, they're just like waiting in line for bread, for jobs, for, you know, so many lines all the time. What, what kind of life is that? So I. Immediately was trying to be sympathetic to the fact that they have trauma that I can't relate to because I was five years old when I left I never had to deal with What a life in Ukraine was and granted? That's what it was for them You know back in the early 90s. I don't know what it is today I can't act like I'm so well informed about the day-to-day of the average person in Ukraine I do know they don't have a lot of money and I do know that you know as a country It's a pretty low GDP. It's not the most opportunistic place in the world. It's certainly not like America as far as the chances that people have to set themselves up for success. So I know that. You know, I was like, please, can you send me some of the stuff that you're looking at? Can you tell me what I should be paying attention to that I'm not paying attention to? And there's so much more that led up to this invasion that's going on right now than just that, oh, Putin wants to completely dismantle the sovereignty of Ukraine, and he wants to come in, and, oh, he's trying to say that there, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's claiming that there's Nazis in Ukraine, and how can that be, because Zelensky's Jewish, and blah, 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 and it's so easy as an American to just picture, like, the American government is the police of the world, and, like, we're just gonna go in, and we're gonna grab Putin, like one of those claws, you know, the claws at the arcade where they just like go in and pick a toy and just kind of pluck him up out of power and get rid of this evil. And what's not really being addressed and what's not really being, um, I feel like shared or pointed out is that, you know, there are these two Eastern areas of Ukraine. It's, it makes up for about 7% of the country. It's roughly 17 million people out of the 43 or so that live in Ukraine who are Russian-identifying, who are Russian-speaking people who, you know, wouldn't mind being under Russian control. And, you know, in recent times, there's been a lot of pushback from the Ukrainian government. They're coming in, they're, they're creating laws about using Ukrainian language over Russian language, and and it does sound like it's been... Fairly aggressive on their part as far as trying to maintain those areas when maybe the people in those areas don't want that It's hard to make a comparison, but the thing that I think about is You know we have this huge Mexican American population in the southern states, California, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, and Those people you know they proudly speak Spanish, and and they don't want that taken away, and I can't imagine the um, Just the absolute offensiveness that any of us with a Western mindset would, would think if, like, anyone came into those areas where they're Spanish-speaking and said, hey, you can't speak Spanish here, the way that the Ukrainian government is saying, hey, you can't speak Russian here, that it has to be all Ukrainian everything all the time. And as a person from Ukraine who only knows Russian, that has an effect on me, you know, that that, like, really touches me because, again, I have these kind of confusion points where I, I'm like, but I was raised Russian. Everything about what I know, language-wise, is Russian. Culturally, I feel like I relate to Russian culture. So it, it it's very confusing to me, and I, I know that that's the way that it is for a lot of people over there. I know that there's a ton of, you know, Russian-speaking people in Ukraine, not just in the separatist areas, but all over. And they those people have family in Russia, and they have family in Belarus, and they have family in you know, other former Soviet Union states. And it's the same thing with Russia. You know, they, there's m- so many people in Russia that have family in Ukraine and that travel there and that attend college there. And, and it, it's it should be this brotherly relationship. It should be a neighborly relationship. It shouldn't be what it is. That's what's so sad about all of this. I also heard that... Um, There have been threats made by rogue Ukrainian militia that the government, for fear of not having enough of its own army, has been arming men in the streets, um, some of whom have come out and threatened that anyone who um, tries to surrender to the Russian government in these areas where they're currently fighting, that those people would be shot on sight. They wouldn't be persecuted, they wouldn't be questioned, they wouldn't be arrested, they would simply be killed for surrendering to the Russians. Why is that not being talked about? I don't know, Russia's already, you know, they've always had grievances about how the Cold War ended and it was 74 years of the USSR that's what everyone alive who went through that. That's all they know. Here's the other thing that's not being discussed here, there's also There's some fault on the West and the Biden administration. Obviously, our media is not going to really cover that. But you have to think about Crimea and what happened in 2014 (laughs) and how the Obama administration really didn't do anything. I don't even remember people being as up in arms (laughs) about Crimea as they are about this. But it almost seems like this was really good timing for Putin because he looked back at how the Obama administration didn't do anything about Crimea and he was just able to take it back and that he's probably fairly confident that, you know, Biden's not going to do anything outside of sanctions. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I hope that there's not more violence. But I think from where he's standing, that kind of makes sense why he waited and and didn't make any moves during the Trump administration. And this is not me saying Trump handled Putin perfectly in the last, you know, in the years that he was in office, but it's almost seeming like he handled Putin better than Biden's handling him. Um, there's certainly some strange connections as far as You know, Biden's son working in Ukraine and the connections with NATO and how much of a threat that feels like to Putin. And there's just, there's aggressions that happened that are the direct impact of actions taken by the West. And it's kind of undeniable. And the fact that so many of our industrial military complexes, you know, have ownership of a lot of the major media it kind of makes sense why they're not really addressing where and I'm not saying this is all Biden's fault like by no measure am I saying that but to act like the West has nothing to do with this invasion at all is just ignorant too because it definitely does there is some you know there's some there's Russian nationalism that's dangerous of course there is but the other thing is we can't know for sure how a lot of the russians feel because that you know there's no freedom of speech in russia where all of the media there is government owned we're not getting straight accounts of how people there feel and another reason i wanted to record this podcast was because i don't want russian people you know villainized i don't want that i identify with them so much they're so close in culture and familial ties to the people of ukraine They don't want this, but if they go out and protest, they get thrown in jail. It's just really complicated. It's really, really complicated, and I'm trying to do my best to look into looking into why the Ukrainian government is at fault and how they could have ultimately prevented this too, because of course Putin could have prevented it. I can't help but to remember how we didn't really do anything when Crimea happened and... How this is a little bit similar to that, and how the separatist areas really have been victimized by the Ukrainian government. And again, this doesn't make that 100% the Ukrainian government's fault. It's At the end of the day, we have to look at the, the toll on human lives and make sure that that's the most important thing that we're focusing on. I'm so sad for everyone that has to flee their homes. I'm so sad for everyone that has to sleep in bomb shelters for the babies being born in basements of hospitals right now because that's where the bomb shelters are. I'm so sad for people who are losing loved ones through all of this. I'm sad for the Ukrainian families, I'm sad for the Russian families, I'm I'm sad for everybody involved. I'm going to keep trying to follow along with um all sorts of information. I'm you know, I am listening to interviews with people you know I hear all of these like on the daily I hear interviews with um, some of the men in Ukraine and god they just they sound just like my relatives the accents the familiarity there that resonates with me so deeply anyway if you're still listening to this um much appreciated if you can please go donate um there's there's a bunch of Really good resources. I'm gonna be posting them on social media. I have been, you know, even if you just Google it, ways to help Ukraine. You can find organizations that are collecting supplies and money to help refugees. I think that's the most important thing right now. And yeah, you don't have to check on me. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not the one here that's uh, going through it, but. My heart goes out to everybody dealing with this right now. Anyone that has feelings about it. This is a tough one, but I did feel like I needed to say something. And yeah, I just hope that this ends sooner rather than later. I hope that people can get back to their families and those people who are going to lose loved ones. I don't know. I hope they find peace somehow. Okay. Thank you.